This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's okay, folks. It's We'll See You in Hell. I'm going to toss it to Patty Walsh for the intro. Hello, everybody. It's Patrick Walsh. It's a Saturday night about 9.40 p.m. to give you an idea of how stacked the social calendars of myself and Joe DeRosa are. Mm-hmm. Sitting uh, in his apartment recording a podcast Saturday night, Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, you know, Elton John sang it best. Saturday night's all right for Podden. You remember that song? Yeah. I also remember a tune called Saturday Night is the Loneliest Night of the Week by one Mr. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And I'd say this Saturday ain't so lonely because I got you, babe. Oh. Which was said by Sonny and Cher. I got you, babe. That's right. Folks, this little walk down musical memory lane. Uh, <laughs> this is We'll See You in Hell. It's a horror movie podcast. We discuss one... Uh, horror sci-fi movie picture a week and it goes off on tangents and and screaming matches and things of that nature um without any further fanfare on with the show and on with the joe that's that was a good one thank you if you could see the glass look in his eyes as he says it yeah i got nothing in the tank folks yeah it almost looked like a madam tussauds thing had come to life and yelled that and yeah i was up at 6 a.m today fell asleep last night about three the hell were you up at six for uh i went to a an all-day seminar at the writers guild of america oh god why do you do it to yourself Um, you work harder than anybody i know and then in your free time you're like i'm doing a paprika juice cleanse and i gotta go (laughs) I got to go to this class where they teach you how to use periods in, the, in a new way. I'm like, what are you doing? Just take a day off. Well, I was told that if you go to the seminar, it it keeps them from like trying to put additional people on your back for the for the production of, of the show. So I'm, I'm working on this pilot. I'm taking notes from, you know, 25 different people. I don't need another person in the mix. So I went, I send them my receipt of having gone. I did fucking learn a lot. It was a great course. But I'll tell you, Joe, and you wouldn't have lasted five minutes with this woman. The guy who, <laughs> gave, the guy who spoke was amazing. He had you know, 40 years of credits. He had amazing stories. He, he was just perfect. I, I learned so much. And after every single point that he made, every time he stopped speaking, every, every period of a sentence, the woman in front of me would go, hmm. Oh God! You can't. Mm. You can't have that. Hmm. Mm. So it was, it was almost like a. It was. She was almost something like a black church response. Yeah, except she was, you know, nowhere near that cool. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like at first, well, I can I can call him out. I was, you know, Andrew Orvidal. No, but I did know Gore Vidal very well. <laughs> well and, uh, you know, he's a very funny comedy guy. He's on Those Who Can't on True TV. I'm going to shout out that show. Oh, I like Those Who Can't. Is he the guy with the beard? Uh, Is he the main guy? No, he's not the main guy. 
Is he the main guy? Yeah, they're they're both they're all main guys. I think I know all of them, and I think any one of them would be offended right now that I said I didn't know who you were talking. No, about. they're all main guys. Yeah, they're good. Good, they're good men. I like all of them. He's in comedy. It's a funny show. I want to give him a shout out because we had a great time together today. So we just kind of sat together like kids in church and kept looking at each other. Whenever this woman would go, mmm. Okay. And people are kind of looking over, but nobody really called her out or laughed. And then she was also in a writing partnership. And when she would say, mmm, then her friend, her writing partner, would turn to her and nod. Like, mm hmm. We've been there. By the way, for those of you at home that don't know what WGA means, I just realized, Writers Guild of America. Or did you say that already? I'm pretty sure I said it. I'm sorry. Pat and I also ate a weed gummy before we started here. Well, it hasn't kicked in. That was maybe five minutes ago. Mine started to tingle a little bit. (laughs) They hit me fast and hard. All right. Like my ex-husband. Oh. Uh, So, but wait, hold on. But why did you have to get up at six? What did it start at seven? It started at eight, but I, I... I just I, I'm not getting a lot of sleep, folks. I, I I got a lot riding on me. I got I got the budget of my pilot, and then you start to think like that much money is riding on me, and it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. I will say, people, uh, every time I see Walsh here, my friend and yours, the 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 zipper of the track jacket's a little <laughs> lower. The buttons are a little lower on the shirt. He's showing more and more chest. I mean, he is. He is transforming into one of these. It'll, it's only a matter of time before he's got a, a gold medallion nestled in that hair, and he's sitting in a in a sauna with a couple of uh, agents. Yeah, yeah and yeah. just has one of those phones with the big antenna for no reason. This <laughs> yeah, wireless, yeah, yeah. like it's it's a tough life, dude. Well, now, <laughs> last night I stood on a hotel balcony and I I went, who am I? <laughs> As she looked at the glimmering lights of Hollywood. The glimmering lights of Hollywood that, that were starting to fade a little for me because of all the things that I've seen. Uh, and then I did a line off some uh, you know, naked 14-year-old girl. But that was my Friday, and I don't need to bring you into that. Uh, Walsh, I had a very different day than you had today. What did you do? Well, I went. I got a haircut this morning. I'm going tomorrow morning. I got up. I walked my dog for about an hour, which was nice. He was being a real shit. Uh, But whatever. We had a nice walk. Uh, And then I went and got a haircut. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I went. I got a pair of uh, uh, Doc Martens that I've been looking for. I finally found them. Very exciting. Uh, And, And folks, since the last podcast, Joe has come out as a proud lesbian woman. And uh, frankly, he doesn't need your judgment. He doesn't need it's 2017. You know? Uh, yeah, it is. Get with it. <laughs> so yeah, I got, I got some Doc Martens, which I was excited about. Then I went to. You ready for this? Sure. Three record stores. Oh. To find the new Spoon vinyl. No, but not only did it, none of them have it. Sold out or didn't have it. They were all like, "Well, what is it?" And I was like, "Spoon, the new Spoon." When did it come out? What? Yesterday. Did you go to Amoeba? No, because I, was I wasn't on that side of town. So that's but still, I mean, Spoon isn't even alternative anymore. They're almost a pop band. Yeah, I, I, I was getting the feeling that they were saying, take you and your mainstream oh, bullshit okay. and get out of here. Uh, but I listened I did, to it in its entirety yesterday, and I really liked it. It's not as uh, instantly catchy as every other album they've ever had, but I liked it. It's a great album. It's impressive. And I just was at South by Southwest, and on my plane ride down there on Saturday... 
who did I see? Five rows up from me in an aisle seat, but one Britt Daniel. Hello. Guy's still in coach in the aisle seats. Didn't even have a window. Look, I don't usually have names to drop, but about five years ago, me and my dear friend Ian Friedman went to the Matador Records 20th anniversary show at the Palms Casino in sure. Las Vegas, Nevada. Pavement. This was before they were like fully reunited. It was like their first show. Yeah. Um, Tom Sharpling of The Best Show hosted, one of my favorite comedy people of all time. It's amazing. Uh, it was Yola Tango. It was Pavement. It was Spoon. It was like all, all your favorites. It was an amazing show. Guided by Voices. A very drunk Guided by Voices. Cat Power. Cat Power performed. Yes, yep. that's correct. And uh, I was gambling, playing a little blackjack, and I saw Britt Daniels walk by with a girlfriend, folks, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say she was of age, <laughs> but holy cow, did she look young. And you know what, Britt? More power to you if that's what you like, and as long as she... Uh, you know, passes muster at the old uh, law office. Passes Good on you. muster. I never heard that term. What's that mean? It's an old uh, hillbilly term. Passes muster means like good enough. Okay. All right. But yeah, I mean, she looked like four, you know, <laughs> and they were pretty hot and heavy. It was very uncomfortable. That I'm sure ex- she was of age. He's a He's a public figure. He wouldn't go out with a four-year-old, but still. That would explain the that track, uh, track seven on the new album that's just called If There's Grass on the Field. Which <laughs> Parentheses, <I> <laughs> play ball. <laughs> Joe, what is your favorite Spoon song? Well, song I go back and forth. My favorite Spoon album is Gimme Fiction. Oh, it's a fantastic! I think album. that's the that's really their 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 peak. Uh, that Beast and Dragon Adored when that song kicks in, I'm just like. Which one of y'all bitches wants to fuck? Yeah, that's a, you know? that, that one gets me in the heart. I, I, maybe Lines the in the Suit. the answer is n- none of us, but but thanks. Lines in the Suit maybe is my probably oh. my favorite. Or My First Time, Volume 3 is one I like quite a bit, which is, sure. which is a single that wasn't on any album. Sure. I really love uh, Jonathan Fisk. Jonathan Fisk is probably mine. It's a great song. And uh, my other and one of the most motive, I used to wake up to it every morning and it, it powered me through like a rough year of my life is uh, Got Nothing. That's a great one. Got Nothing to Lose. Yeah. But Darkness and Shadows. Yeah, that's a great one too. Great so, song. Well, he was on my plane and I was down at the uh, South by Southwest Festival, did a bunch of shows. Okay. How'd they go? They all went very well. I had a really nice time. I uh, did my friend Jay Okerson's. Love show uh, what's your fucking deal which is his CISO show we did a live version we we had an absolute blast Eddie Pepitone can I quit do a quick pause yeah Eddie Pepitone I would say has made me laugh harder than anyone else in the world well I, I really do believe okay. that this is the one South by story I will tell you then. all right and I'm not going to take up too much time but uh, so what's your fucking deal is an all crowd work show you have to come out and do crowd work so it, it's it's Jay's the host. I'm doing the crowd mic, which means I'm in the audience the whole time with a microphone. Uh, Sean Patton comes out, kills. Mike Lawrence comes out, kills. Bonnie McFarland comes out, kills. Eddie Pepitone comes out, kills. Uh, and he goes, he opens with these other comics, this shit they do. Where do you work? <laughs> Where do you live? It's bullshit. I want to know your dreams, right? Uh huh. So he starts screaming at the audience to tell you their dreams. Yeah. So then he goes, Miss, what's your dream? I bring the mic over to the lady. 
She goes, uh, you know, I want to be a veterinarian. He goes, no, God damn it. I don't mean your fucking goals. What did you dream last night, right? Mm -hmm. So we start doing this thing with audience members where they're going to tell him what they dreamt or a reoccurring dream they have, and he's going to interpret it as, quote, as he put it, the worst therapist of all time. All right. End quote. So he'd call on somebody. I'd go over to them, give them the mic. They would go... I have this reoccurring dream where I'm trapped in my basement. I see my dad through the cellar window. I can't get to him. I need to get to him. I don't know why. And all of a sudden, they're putting him in a body bag. What does that mean? And then Eddie would go, that's a great dream. Okay, okay. You know what I think it means? And first of all, let me say this. You're an ugly piece of shit. But the dream, it means your father never loved you. you know? <laughs> yeah. And he would do that over and over. That's a great dream. Let me, you, can, before I interpret it, let me say this. <laughs> I hope a cinder block kills your entire fucking family. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah. It's a beautiful dream. It was, we were, everybody was like crying, laughing. It was one of the funniest things I ever saw. I... I am a, a very di I'm a difficult hard laugh. It like almost never happens. Like a true like tears in my eyes laughing. But I have a couple times a year where I'm on another plane laughing, and all of those times have involved Eddie Pepitone. When I was in London, I went to London by myself for a full week, and I was having fun. But I went into a casino and I had had like nothing to drink, and they threw me out for being drunk. Like, they wouldn't let me in. They were like, you're too drunk, love. You're too drunk, mate. Love. I was like... That's tough. It, it was real condescending, and I was like, no, no, no. I, I haven't had anything to drink. I just saw a play. I'm completely sober. And they're like, love, brother, brother, mate, you're drunk. You're, you're knuckered. You're slagged, yeah. mate. They were, that was their way of saying, get out of here, American, because some snatch shit's about to go down. Yeah, and I was so infuriated because I love gambling, and I went out, and then to, to prove them wrong, I got real drunk. Sure. And I'm walking along, and this was only like 8 o'clock, and I see this giant marquee, and in London, of all places, Eddie Pepitone is treated like a god. I love it. Because every time I've seen him here, he's like the fourth guy on a bill in like the basement of a you know, seafood shop or something. <laughs> But he's got this giant marquee, his, his, uh, his, you know, not necessarily commercial face. Right. And I'm like, holy shit. I go, how much are tickets for Eddie Pepitone? She's like, well, I got one near the back for 20 bucks. She's like, but otherwise it's sold out. I was like, give me that ticket. I went in. I had one of the best nights of my life. I mean, he, he came out and he was just talking shit on America. So, of course, it killed doubly hard in Britain. Right. But my Lord, I, I mean, I couldn't breathe for part of it. Uh, he's a great guy. I saw yeah. him. We were in the same hotel, and I saw him. I was with Bonnie McFarlane, uh, who's a dear friend and hilarious. I saw, and we both saw him right before he was leaving. He was leaving a day before we had to leave. And he just kept saying over and over. We saw him in the lobby, and he just kept going, I'm going to take a dip before I leave. <laughs> That's a nice pool. I'm going to, you guys getting coffee? I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay here and take a quick dip. Was, did and, he know he was being funny or was he yeah. just being himself? No, he wasn't. He was. Oh, okay. He had this okay. shit eating grin as he kept saying it. <laughs> yeah. It was the oddest joke, but it was very funny. And great, I got to say, great man. I just wrapped up six years on Two Bro Girls. That's why I have a house. You know, it's it, it was a, it was a wild, fun ride. 
think what you will about the show. Eddie Pepitone played two roles on that show. One was a hoarder, uh, and right. his, his mom was like buried somewhere in, <laughs> in his house. And his commitment to this performance, you couldn't see him. You could just hear him. But like, even though the audience didn't necessarily love it, it wasn't necessarily a network sensibility. But man, you could throw him any line, and he delivered it with such like gusto and passion. And you know, I mean, his whole act is shitting on things like Two Broke Girls. Yeah. But my God, was he funny and sold it. And we brought him back as a underground uh, in the subway suit salesman. Sure. He was selling like he was like this is a you know this is a mustard color like you know all different. <laughs> Kind of like Steve Harvey style suits that he was selling sure. under the subway. And my God, was he funny all over again. Like he just, he's a man who gives it his all every time. If he comes to your town, go see him do stand up. He's the best. And I, I've never met him. Uh, we're, we're not getting paid for this. If you like comedy, check him out. I give you, I'm going to give you four plugs right now for people you need to see if you haven't seen them. Do Eddie it. Pepitone. Yeah. Todd Glass. Sure. Keith sure. Robinson. And Andy Kindler. Do not waste your time. Oh, and Bonnie McFarland. That's five. Go see those people if you've never seen them. You're really missing out. These are wonderful, wonderful comedians, and uh, they're, they're some of the best out there. I will say you can catch Todd Glass on a night where he smokes too much weed. <laughs> I've done that a couple times. But it's still I, fun, though. But when he's on, I love him. And Andy Kindler has one of my favorite jokes of all time. It's a little inside baseball, but it's... Uh, Hey, do any of you subscribe to a Variety magazine? Y'all get this magazine, Variety? Or as I call it, uh, everyone you came up with doing better than you. Details inside. <laughs> uh, he sent me one of the best insults I've ever received on Twitter. Yeah. He I wrote, like when you guys interact on Twitter. Yeah, he wrote, uh, he wrote, Hey, Joe DeRosa, listening to your WTF episode, does anything have to be funny with you? <laughs> It's good. Just a fantastic burn. All right, let's get to Pat's movie rundown. Folks, you know, I I wish I had uh, parceled it out a little bit more because I used to rattle off 10 movies and I haven't seen in in a full week. I have not seen one movie one television show, listened to one podcast, done anything that would contribute to this column in any sort of meaningful way. When you walked in, didn't you tell me you just saw something? Wait, didn't you? Oh, The Kong. Room. Well, Kong for today. The Oh, you didn't watch The Room. You just said you just got the DVD or something? Yeah, I rented The Room because I've never seen it. And uh, I always thought I was waiting for the opportune like midnight movie screening, and it never came. When I first moved to L.A., uh, you couldn't get into them. It would be like Paul Rudd waiting in line, and you couldn't get in. And I just never yeah. saw it. But now uh, it's at my house, and I can't wait to watch it. A friend of mine, a dear friend of mine named Ann Harris, went to college with Justin Long. And I do not know Justin Long, but I went to see The Room with Ann. Yes. And a midnight thing in New York. And she said, my friend Justin Long, who you might be familiar with. And I said, I, I'm a big fan. I dragged yeah. you to hell and all these other things. And tusk joe and you can tusk wasn't out yet all right tusk was not out yet i just like to uh, occasionally so you know who to side with remind you that joe's favorite movie of of its year <laughs> was tusk <laughs> i did try to get through uh bl- blimpy ho what the fuck was that called oh yoga hosers 
I, I couldn't get through it. I, mean, I didn't it was, see that. See, I thought you were going to love yoga. Hose. It was rough stuff. Was it strictly a comedy? It's Johnny Depp's daughter and comedy. Kevin Smith's daughter in yeah. a buddy movie. It's a comedy and it's it's rough stuff. But uh, yeah. but I did love Tusk. Uh, but anyway, I saw uh, so so he came and we snuck forties into the movie theater and he was in need of alcohol. He didn't have any with him, so I shared a forty ounce with Justin Long. And then I remember he said uh, he was like, "Oh, if you, you, he was very excited because he had seen it many times." Right. And he was like, "You've never seen it." Okay, dude, my favorite part. There's going to be this part where the guy has to move a dresser and everybody's going to go, one, two, three, cocksucker. I think that's what it was. Okay. Or one, two, three, fuck it, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, this is in the 11th hour of the film that this part happens. So we're waiting the whole time. And the part came up. And he's like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And he yells it. One, two, three, fuck it. Nobody else yelled it. And he turned to me and he went, nobody did it. And he looked, he looked like very disappointed and sad. Did he? But he did it. He did it because he was like, and it was clearly a thing where he was like, "This is usually a thing everybody does," but this oh, time everybody rough. didn't do it. And I felt bad for him. I, but he was a real nice guy. I played poker with him once. He was a delightful gentleman. Yeah. Um, my dad, when I was about ten years old, was like, "Hey, up at the Dollar Show, where I had to see all my movies." Like six months after they came out, I went to the Dollar Show. Mm-hmm. My dad was like, midnight, they're showing a Rocky Horror Picture Show. When me and your mom were dating, this was the big thing, but we never went to see it. You and I should go. That's an odd movie to see with your dad. At so midnight. he takes me up midnight, and I'm like, I mean, I could not have been more excited just to even be out of the house at midnight. We went to White Castle. Right. My, my dad's favorite. And we went up there, and I, which reminds me, when, he, when my dad and I saw Wayne's World, also at the Dollar Show, Keep in mind, there was nothing I wanted to see more, and I still had to wait six months to see it at the Dollar Show. And it starts, and when they're panning down the Chicago landmarks, and when they they pan to White Castle, my dad, who looking back now was like my age that I am now, which is very disturbing. Sure. When White Castle hit, my dad, who also looking back was probably wasted, even though he claimed to not be drinking at this time, he jumped to his feet, pumped his fists, and went, Woo! Oh, because that's how much he loved White this Castle. This story's getting dark. And the entire theater cheered for my father. Well, that's cool. There you go. Yeah. But anyway. Sort of the opposite of the Justin Long scenario. <laughs> we go to this uh, this uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and the thing starts, and out on the stage comes a man who tucked into a pair of see-through women's panties is a pretty substantial cock folded up and visible in see-through panties now we're talking and my dad grips my arm so hard and lifted me up and out of my seat and we left the theater and that was that and can i tell you folks he tried to get a refund at the dollar show i thought you were gonna say he tried to hook up with you he was all worked (laughs) up no i'm sorry i'm sorry it's a bad joke casually mentioned my dad molested me at a screening No, but I've never seen The Room. I always wanted that perfect midnight movie experience, and it never presented itself. So I'm going to just watch it at home by myself. I was hoping you and I could do it tonight, but you've already seen it. I've already seen it. And, Did it live up to its name? Yeah, it's a, well, not by yourself it won't. Yeah, it probably won't. You're going to watch it, and you're going to go, this is absurd. This well, is Sorry like, I can't call Justin Long up, Joe. I don't know why you got to take a shot at me. At least Justin Long let me stay and watch the movie. Didn't yank me out because they, some guy showed his wang. 
Look, uh, my dad was in the right for me to, whatever to happened not to see a, a grown man's cock at age uh, 10. Uh, you, were, you were old enough. You needed to learn. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, now, I, I, the, look, here's the problem with something like The Room these days. There are so many bad, you know, exploitation movies of all genres and bad YouTube videos and bad fail videos and all these things yeah. that are completely accessible online. You're going to watch it and you're going to go, yeah, this is like a terrible movie that a crazy guy made. When I, when I saw it, it was before you could access all that stuff so easily. Yeah. So when you saw it, it was like, how the fuck did this get done? Right. Now, the schmuck that lives you know next door to you or whatever could make that on his iPhone. And you'd be, like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it sucks. Of course it does. Yeah, I mean, the older I get, like when I was a kid or even like in my teens or college, we would rent like a bad movie and watch it and like laugh hysterically and shit. But in this day and age, so much of what is out there is so bad. It's hard to really feel anything. And that's really the problem with the world in general. You don't feel anything about anything and everything kind of blurs in at sort of a hazy gray, neither black nor white. And the world keeps pushing in on you until you you want to scream Walsh, you're coming in heavy tonight man <laughs> jesus god am almighty. i wrong folks i know you're at a, a seminar all day you no, know no, no. for how to cut 10 percent of your budget down or whatever the <laughs> hell that fucking thing was but look i gotta tell uh, you and i'm not gonna get into it i uh I think a big part of it is waking up in the morning and just reading the news in a way I never did before. It's horrible. It's the saddest time, certainly, of my life, and perhaps, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not comparing with the Holocaust or something, but if you're looking at the history of the world, a history of America, I can't imagine it's been that much worse than this, and uh, everyone been. is feeling very uninspired and very miserable. And it bleeds into your life, whether you want it to or not. It sucks right now. This is just our yeah. shitty time. It's been much worse than this. The, the slaughtering yeah. of the Indians. Of course, of course. Slavery. Slavery, Holocaust. Yeah, these are all... Yeah. Look, folks. Go back to medieval times. You got people you know, dying because they got a limp. They had to play. be put down. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, this is, this is, you know, this, this time sucks, but, you know... Yeah, We're not dealing I mean, with really, scurvy, at I, least. I think that this this presidency is harder on those who were bullied, like myself, because it's yeah. just it's showing you that when I moved out to L.A., I was like, wow, these like nerds and dorks all have like beautiful, wonderful wives and girlfriends and like they're successful and they're happy and they're making the things they want to make. And this is kind of like just a big swing in the other direction. We're like just being a douchebag asshole can make you the most powerful man in the world. Right. And it's it's hard. I got to admit, it's hard every day that this man is in power. But we're not we're not a political podcast. Well, you know, but Pat, I'll, I've said it a million times. It's hard out here for a pimp. It is. <laughs> it is. And, you know, that was a high point in America when that song won best song at the Academy Awards. <laughs> I you remember seeing great. Anthony Anderson, who has been very nice to me over the years as I've met him. And we've done some stand up shows together. But I remember seeing him in a talk show. On, it was on Jimmy Kimmel. And he said in the when that was nominated and he was in the yeah. movie, he said, uh, he said, Jimmy, watch this, man. Watch this, man. Watch, watch. I'm going to sing the song from Hustle and Flow. Everybody's going to sing it with me. Don't nobody know the music from. And he named like two other movies that year. Right. And then the third one, he goes, don't nobody know the music from Star Wars. 
It's mm-hmm. like, no, no, Anthony, everybody <laughs> knows the music from Star Wars. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, let's get to our movie of the week. I thought you were going to side with Anthony Anderson, but you just kind of threw him under the bus. No, I didn't. I, I, I very nice guy. Uh, our movie of the week, folks, is Kong colon Skull Island, which at the very least was better than a movie I saw a couple years ago called Kong Skull colon Island. <laughs> where Kong's yeah. skull went to an island populated by gaping colons. Folks. Yeah, that was a tough one. Now, I also I saw something also a few years ago called Skong, or uh, excuse me, Kong, <laughs> Kong Skull Community, and it was just a gated community that Kong yeah. was living in. It was not very good. Look, I didn't hate that one. So uh, nice. Now, before, before, now, this is a first, let me say this, this is a first for our podcast, I have no idea what Pat Walsh's opinion on this film is, and I don't want you to tell me yet. All right. We did not discuss this at all. I texted him my thoughts while I was sitting in the movie. Uh, but I do not know Pat Walsh's thoughts yet. I'm excited to hear them. Let's give the synopsis, and then we'll get into the well, discussion. Well, you give the synopsis, Joe. Go ahead. Uh, look, it's a Kong movie in the sense that King Kong is in it. Uh, it is not a traditional Kong movie in the sense that it does not feature him falling in love with a tiny blonde woman for no apparent reason and then scaling a building to protect her as military planes are shooting him incessantly. This movie is a straight-up monster movie. Uh, John Goodman uh, plays the sort of... And I can't remember the guy's name in the original, but it's the guy Jack Black played in the... Uh, right. In the uh, in the Peter Jackson remake, he plays sort of that role, but he doesn't want to go out there for the sake of his own movie or glory. He wants to go out there to prove that monsters exist, and this is a threat. In the same way that a George W. Bush possibly uh, was, uh, you know, uh, saying we need to go into the Middle East to find the weapons of mass destruction. It's that same kind of motivation. Uh and they go to the island, and it's a ragtag bunch uh, of people. It's it's John Goodman and uh, his associate, who uh, the actor's name is escaping me, but he's played by the guy that plays Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. Uh, there's some military people there, one of them being the guy that played Easy e in Straight Outta Compton. Samuel L. Jackson is the military leader. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is a tracker who's going to kind of show them the ropes of surviving the wilderness. Uh, who who is ready for anything they might face, except of course the surprise of a giant monkey. And, Brie Larson, uh, and Brie also Larson in the is there as a f- war photographer. Yes, yes. And Corey Hawkins is the guy who played Dr. Dre. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I gotta say, I don't that's know basically that the whole movie. I mean, they don't yeah. leave the island. They get there, and it's monster shit, and that's it. I don't know that I've ever seen a more stacked cast in service of something this stupid (laughs) and there's my opinion but i mean when john goodman and his partner go to like get the grant to go and explore for kong or whatever and like maybe they'll find the cure for cancer or whatever their boss who comes out and says two lines is richard jenkins yes one of my favorite actors of all time oscar nominee an oscar nominee not long ago and he comes out and he's like you guys really want to wind me up? Like, he has nothing to do. Yeah. And Goodman 
is kind of in it. He disappears for a full hour. A lot of storylines going on in this movie. Samuel L. Jackson comes in and like is delivering these one-liners that like were trying to get cheers, but they were so fucking stupid. Like at one point, he's like, "I'm about to show Kong that man is the true ruler." No king, king. Come on, uh, uh, yeah. Obviously, that makes more sense. <laughs> but I'm like, am I supposed to cheer for man? Is that is that what I'm supposed to do now? It's a it's a it's a real and I and listen I have a certain hesitation about saying this because uh, two weeks ago I did Doug, Doug loves movies uh, with friend Doug Benson and uh, I had a great time and one of the guests on it was Jordan what's his name who directed Logue the Roberts. movie now clearly he uh, must have some ties to comedy because everyone I know in comedy posted that they were at the Kong premiere and loved it now I never knew Jordan till that night he was yeah. a nice guy he was excited about the movie. Uh, I don't want to be one of those people that is nice to somebody and then says bad things. So I'm not saying anything bad about Jordan. Well, you, you couldn't say anything bad about the movie visually. No, visually he did a great job. I mean, I don't think he wrote the fucking script. That was the issue. But God damn it, the movie stunk. It, yeah. it really, it was a lot of... Now, guys, this is going to be loaded with spoilers. So Not real. What, what are you really spoiling with Kong Skull Island? Well, probably not. But it's I'm animals just, fighting each other. I'm going to speak freely about everything I hated about this movie. All right. Let's start with the opening line. Let's oh. start with the opening line. Go on. The opening line, a cab pulls up uh, after the credit sequence. A cab pulls up in front of uh, the, you know, one of those domed buildings in Washington. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I know, I know what you're going to say. And uh, it, it kind of pushes in on John Goodman, who's the passenger in the cab, and he just goes, there will never be a crazier time in Washington. Right yeah. right there, you're like, okay, yeah. I, like, it, that. that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. It's so on the goddamn nose. It, look, and you know I'm a defender of the prequels, but it's like the part in Revenge of the Sith where he gets elected... Uh, where Palpatine gets elected emperor and everybody cheers and Natalie Portman goes, so this is how freedom dies with thunderous <laughs> applause. Like, you know, at the tail end of the Bush administration. That, yeah. Don't be. Come on, man. It's, it's that's trite. It's too on the goddamn nose. Stop it. So that line right there, I was like, we might be in trouble. But Jordan did a lot of really nice visual stuff. So I was hanging in there. I was, uh, fingers crossed. I was hoping it was going to look uh, be cool. Almost every scene kind of reinvents itself in a very cool, new visual way that you, you definitely don't see in your average blockbuster. He did this indie movie called The Kings of Summer that was pretty fun. And to give him the reins of this thing is kind of crazy, but he did do a, a really good job with just a terrible fucking script. Now, here's another problem I have with the movie. Go on. Every scene, every scene, folks, I'm talking uh, every scene <laughs> starts with not just a 60, 60s classic rock song, yeah. but yeah. the most cliche. Si so every I, I will say, you know, who did who did that first and did it worst is your favorite film, Suicide Squad. That movie, every time they introduced a character, oh, this character looks like the devil. Let's play Sympathy for the Devil. And it's bad, I know. 
It was embarrassing. I know. It's bad. And But this did pretty much they the exact same thing. They took it even further in this. They did they, take it further, but they did the same thing. Well, they do take it further. Here's why. Because in Suicide Squad, they just do it for the first half hour to introduce right. characters. In yeah. this, they did it through the whole goddamn movie. Yeah. And by the time you're at like hour 40 and whatever through the jungle by Credence comes on. Like, Run through folks, the jungle. Can I just tell you something right now? Movie makers of the world. Never put a Creedence song in a movie ever again. It's done. Creedence is great. They're a wonderful band. I love listening to them. Never put a Creedence song in a movie ever Unless, again. Unless. Now, let me throw this at you. When I heard Run Through the Jungle, I'm like, you don't get to do that because that's the Big Lebowski song. And it's also the Dust Till Dawn song. I mean, they. whenever I see that in a movie, when they're like, oh, now we're going to use... Okay, so like I know you haven't seen the end of The Sopranos, but they close with Don't Stop Believing. It has been used a thousand times since, but the power of it that first time almost blew me away. So then when you see it used in like Glee and et cetera and et cetera, it's like everyone associates it with this one thing. Why are you trying to why not have your own new moment? Well That's what I've never understood. I do have a theory it's not even really a theory, it's probably valid. I would think that there's probably a licensing thing and a studio says, here are the songs that you can use that aren't going to cost us an arm and a fucking leg. And I'm assuming Credence run through the jungle is one of them. I don't think it's cheaper. I don't think it's cheaper than most. I think they they are trying to recapture. Well, it's also in a jungle, the movie. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to recapture the feeling that previous not. So not only is the song being used for nostalgia, but it's using nostalgia for another movie that it was used in. By the way, Run Through the Jungle is not in Fear and Loathing. I didn't think so. It's in it's in Dust Till Dawn. It's in the Wh- Big Lebowski. White Oh no, I'm sorry. White Rabbit is in Fear and Loathing, which is also in this movie. No, White Rabbit is in the game. No, White Rabbit is also in Fear and Loathing when he's in the bathtub. I want you to well, throw you just the... said it was in from Dust Till Dawn. No, no, no. No, I said <laughs> I said Run Through the Jungles in Dust Till Dawn. That may be true. Yes. Credence. It's the opening thing, like when they're yeah. driving in the car. Uh, in Fear and Loathing, it's White Rabbit, which is also in this movie. And, and used, I would say, the best in the game with Michael Douglas. I, I, don't, I don't remember where it's it is in the game. Movie. I just remember in that bathtub scene. It's in when he's got like his, his room is black lit with all these like people fucking with him. But here's the thing. Now, now, here's what bothered me a bit more than just the cliche usage of music to set a tone or or send a certain message because the lyrics sort of correlate with the movie. What bothered me more than that was it's not that kind of movie. No. One of the great uses of music ever in a film, and, and the name, the song's escaping me at the moment, I apologize, uh, because the gummy is setting in at this point, <laughs> uh, is in Predator. Yeah. They're playing that 50s song on the plane. I can't remember what it is right now. I don't now. either. But they're playing. That's the only time in that movie you hear that song. Right. And it adds such a weird, interesting energy to that sequence. And and they're all on the plane in that great like red lighting. And Jesse Ventura is insulting everybody. And he spits. You mean, you mean Jesse the the body? The body Ventura. Okay, the okay. body Ventura. I'm sorry. I got a lot of favorite. I didn't want to get. Sorry to confuse you. Okay. Uh, but he, you know, it's when he spits the tobacco on the guy's shoe. Right. Shane Black is in that scene who's right. directing the new Predator. Uh, but it's such a good use of the movie. It's like in Evil Dead One, how the closing credits to the movie 
or this old 50s song. Yeah. But there's none of that in the rest of the movie. When you use it sparingly in a film like that, it's so great. In this film, it's like, this is not a sick, this isn't Forrest Gump. This isn't a movie about the times. It's a movie about monsters in a fucking jungle. Stop yeah. playing these like psychedelic hits every three minutes. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, usually if you're using, the, if you're using them that desperately, i.e. Suicide Squad, it's because you're like, the script doesn't work. We're getting real desperate. We got to like try to make you think that you're having fun here. But um, to me, the most egregious use of music in this was when Kong first arrives and we hear, let me see that Kong, that Kong, 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 right? You're an asshole. I mean, and to bring Will Smith out of retirement to, to perform it. Will Smith... Number one isn't in retirement. Number two didn't sing the thong song. Cisco. Th I know Cisco sang the thong song well, slash the Kong song. I was trying to subtly dig at Will Smith, who might as well be in retirement because every movie he makes these days sucks. I like Will Smith, and I, I, I think, well, I think he'll come shot. back, but it's going to be a ways away. I thought it was a good dead shot. Folks, they didn't do that Kong, 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 and King Kong. But I would have respected it more if they had the comedy attempts in this film when john c Riley shows up and i love john c Riley, and there's another man i played poker with he's a delightful fucking man he was enjoyable but it, it went a little too far in places he's doing it's like stepbrothers deleted scenes in the middle of Kong. yeah i know i know uh, and somebody, now, somebody... i've never seen king kong now, i don't know what you thought of the uh the peter jackson king kong i liked it i i thought it was okay but the monsters were way cooler and that was 15 years ago uh, this this CGI wise looked no better. I'd say even it looked a bit no, worse. Nothing had advanced. Um, and I, I, you know, I somebody said to me, uh, we were talking about the movie, and they said, "Well, John C. Riley was really the centerpiece of the film, whereas oh whereas, yeah, to give him the post credit sequence, whereas Kong should have been." And that's what I said. I go, "Oh, you didn't think the King Kong movie would end with John C. Riley eating a hot dog?" <laughs> and this is the last yeah. shot of the movie. I'm it like, is. And I, he was enjoyable. Uh, well, Kong, I mean, know. Kong looked like he was maybe 10 feet taller than me in this movie. Um, he wasn't scary. He wasn't funny. He wasn't interesting. I've never seen a King Kong presented in a more boring fashion. Every other monster, and they weren't great. One was just like an ugly bird was like uh, another well, monster. Me, I want to talk about the monsters, but go ahead. They were all sort of more interesting than King Kong, and they weren't even great. They all were just kind of boring, generic. I mean, I fell asleep at one point during during Kong. Uh, I will tell you this: Colon Skull Island. I almost walked out. I didn't, but I stayed for the sake of the podcast because I really got a talking to by Pat when I walked out of Medea's Abu Halloween, <laughs> whatever the fuck it was called. Uh, but. Boo colon Medea a Skull Island Halloween Christmas. But I will tell you this. Uh, the Monsters, this was a great... Now, I saw this movie with our dear friend Karen Kilgariff of my favorite murder fame. Here in Los Angeles? Yes. Well, I'll tell you this. If you two ever do something like that and don't invite me again... You were working. We went We went, We went. went to a to an early afternoon film on a weekday. Right. I'm having lunch with Karen on But Tuesday. we had a nice time and we had a lot of fun. But I said to her... Did she enjoy it? Uh, she actually gave it a little more, a little more slack than I gave it. I, 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 she was like, I enjoyed the visuals. She's like, it was fun watching like the crazy sequences and stuff. But 
she did say something really funny, and then I'll tell you the monster thing. That sequence where they're in like that smoky field and like the ground keeps lighting on fire. Yeah. I turned to her and I go, I, did I miss something? Why does the ground keep catching on fire? And very deadpan, she just goes, it's just a bad place. It's just not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, she's right. So, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, but what bothered me, I said to her after the film, I go, they did the Jim Henson trick too many times. She goes, what do you mean? I go, too many times it was like somebody was like sitting on like a log and then all of a sudden it would turn into a monster. Yeah. It was like, it was like, look, the, look at the wonderment of this place. A it's lot like, of camouflage. It's just kind of dumb. Like, I don't care. It's too much. Like, I, I'm just, I don't know. I just wasn't that interested. And I will say this also when it comes to monsters. In a day and age, and by day and age, I mean the last 30, 40 years, where we have Freddy Krueger, a burned-faced man with razor-blade fingers who haunts you and murders you in your dreams. Yeah. Jason Voorhees, a zombie who has crawled out of the grave to avenge his death. Michael Myers, an unstoppable psychopathic serial killer the cenobites demons from hell that you summon with a box that rip you apart with chains monkey's just not that scary anymore no i couldn't agree more it's just not that scary anymore and it's like if you're gonna do this again and you're gonna reboot it like twice in my lifetime you gotta give them a little more personality than we saw here and you know who did it better twice is uh, Planet of the Apes and Beyond or whatever, you know, the remakes. Both of those found really cool, new, interesting ways to bring monkeys to us as a threat. This was just kind of not there. And the cast, folks, when I saw the credits roll and Tom Hiddleston was in that lead, Tom Hiddleston was the lead of this fucking movie. Has anyone ever, has, have you ever seen a lead of a movie make less of an impression than Tom Hiddleston in this movie? No. No, he was, and and I even said, so I said, uh, I was saying the other night, the way they bring him in, they bring, they introduce Tom Hiddleston into the story as like this mercenary type guy. Yeah, they find him. I mean, how cliche is this? They find him, you know, in a in a pool room in Bangkok, you know, <laughs> and he gets into mm -hmm. a into a, a a scuffle with some with some surly bar members and like throws darts at them and you know yeah. like you know it's it's like such a typical like rip off of raiders of the lost ark right uh and uh but he comes in and he's like let me tell you what will kill you the burner the nets the ants that and he's like you know and he goes and that's just the shit you can see and you're like this guy's well, now, an asshole it, it this wasn't michael Kane, huh it wasn't michael Kane, joe i just said michael Kane, so perhaps my Gummy is kicking in as well. <laughs> Michael Klein. My point is, is he comes in real hot, and then 10 minutes into it, he's like, Brie Lawson, I've got to save you. And, yeah. it, and it just it just loses. By the way. Now, I will. I'm not trying. I'm not a creep, folks. Brie Larson in this movie. Girl, you're looking good. Hey, I'll tell you this. I love Brie Larson. She's a strong actress, and she's bringing a lot to the table boner wise i will tell All you right, this folks. folks she looked great every time she came on screen there were some monsters on skull island in my pants <laughs> if you know what i mean yeah. yeah yeah she's she's hot but there were too many sequences where i was saying this also to a friend 
like there would be like these montages of them having to do hard work to like get them out of this situation and it would cut to brie larson like cranking something and she would just go (laughs) and it just it looked fake it looked ridiculous it was yeah i mean the the whole cast and again i talked about this when we talked about dr strange so when i drive home from burbank at the end of the day they they always do a new giant billboard and, and you know that's a big movie whatever buys this giant spot for the billboard in los angeles there's another spot like that on sunset where like that's the movie that's going to be huge if they buy this spot and when i saw the doctor strange billboard and it said benedict cumberbatch uh tilda swinton victor hong all above the line i was like wait a minute What's going on here? Right. This time out, when I'm seeing John Goodman, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson, uh, what's the gentleman's name? John Ortiz. Mm-hmm. John Ortiz. And look, I'm all, all for diversity in movies and television. John Ortiz is a fantastic actor. I love John Ortiz. John Ortiz has perhaps three lines in this movie. And he is given an above-the-line credit. And when you're able to be on the other side of that gross Hollywood line and see that they are simply putting John Ortiz above the line so that they can attract the Hispanic community, John Ortiz doesn't say anything in the movie. He has maybe three lines. It's disgusting. I turned to Karen. I know who you're talking about. I turned to Karen. He's above the line. 20 minutes in the movie, I turned to Karen and dead serious. I said, is that Fred Armisen? (laughs) I thought it was Fred Armisen. Yeah, who's also that is he's a he's Fred one of Armisen. many great actors in this is movie. That, who is was, that is that a Spanish name? Armisen, Armisen, I'm sure is at least somewhat Hispanic. So they could have Fred Armisen in there. I I love John Ortiz, I really do. I'm just like when you're going to start throwing him up there with all your your giant names, uh, and giving him absolutely nothing to do, it just smacks of that disgusting Hollywood quality of like we got diversity, huh? Yeah. But you're doing it. For the absolute wrong reasons, you're simply inserting a Hispanic person into the movie, giving him nothing of interest to do, and then exploiting his name to try to bring in the large Hispanic population of Los Angeles by putting him above the line. So if there are Hispanic John Ortiz fans, and I guarantee there are, who go to see this movie and see uh, someone of their people represented as a hero, they instead get to see a guy who's like doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, I agree. It's disgusting. I agree. You're just you're trying to use the person. It's gross. So overall, Kong Skull Island sucked. <laughs> it sucked, folks. Uh, I mean, the one part that was cool, I will say this. Go ahead. I just did a. I just did a. Uh, an interview thing where they said, what's the last movie you saw in the theater? I said, Kong Skull Island. And I said, but I won't tell, me, tell you my favorite part because it's a spoiler. Uh, but I'll tell it now. Uh, my favorite part in the movie, the part that did actually get me excited was at the end, the the, the credit scene when they Johnson come in Island. and they say Kong is, is just the beginning and they show the slides of Godzilla and Mothra and all that Wait, stuff. Wait, is that after the credits? Yeah, it was at the very end. Oh, I left during John C. Riley eating a hot dog. 
No, they, uh, the post credit scene is Tom Hiddleston and... Uh, so they're going to keep doing this. Well, they're building towards Kong versus Godzilla. So it's Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson in a uh, interrogation room with a you know the, one of those two-way glass things. And he's yelling at the glass like, you got to let us out of here. We won't talk. Skull Island didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, uh, the the shred out of Compton guy comes in and uh, and he says, hey, ha ha, it's us that have you here. And he's like, oh, thank God. We thought it was the government or whatever. And, the, and then that guy goes, welcome to our such and such facility that they kept referring to throughout the movie. And he goes, I know you remember Skull Island. Good, because that's just the beginning. Look at this. And they show this footage of uh, he rolls this black and white reel of uh, film and it shows these hieroglyphics in caves that were from the Godzilla remake of Godzilla, Mothra, something else. And they showed clips from, oh, from the Cranston Godzilla. Yeah. Not the so, Broderick Godzilla. So they're building up to, so the next movie is Godzilla. Is that Godzilla part of this movie's universe? Yes. Because that Godzilla sucked dick too. No, that was bad. Uh, and that guy directed Rogue One, which I thought he did a fantastic job he did. with. So again, not the director, the script, I think. But um, yeah, no, Godzilla. I fell asleep during both of these movies, and that never happens. The next me. movie is, I think, Godzilla: King of All Monsters, where it's going to be Godzilla versus Mothra, and I'm forgetting the name. But do of you the really care? And then it'll be Kong and Godzilla. Like, if you don't care about humans fighting these monsters, do you really care about the monsters fighting each other? I do like Godzilla. They're, they're, they can't speak. I thought that guy. I thought that Godzilla remake sucked it didn't suck as bad as the broderick one but it sucked um but but i do like godzilla because to me godzilla is a true monster he yeah. is like a sort of uh um uh, of, of a mutated lizard whereas kong it's literally just a giant ape yeah it does okay it walks on two legs i don't but give a shit it doesn't look that different neither of them can talk or do anything why would you want to watch them fight what is the appeal who are you rooting for? That's what I don't understand. Unless well, you're five, who gives a shit? I know. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of in closing, real quick recap. Do you think uh, War for the Planet of the Apes is going to be good? That's the third of the series. Yeah, it's the new one with Woody Harrelson. Look, I'm not going to say I'm excited about it. However, those last two movies, I kind of went against my will and thought they were both excellent. So I, I, I see no reason to think the third one won't be good. Didn't like Rise, loved Dawn, loved Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. This Wait, new one I'm excited. Rise and Dawn were one and two? Dawn's the second one. Okay, all right. Excited for this one, although I think it's terrible in the trailer when Woody Harrelson goes. And if we don't succeed, it will be a planet of <laughs> apes. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Woo! But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Patty, yeah. what do you got? Any personal plugs? Any? You know what I would have had him say? Yeah. What do you want this to be? The United Apes of America? Yeah. It sounds to me like you've gone bananas. <laughs> uh, no, folks. I have nothing to plug. I, I'm barely awake. <laughs> uh, you know, again, I'm at the Patrick Walsh. Twitter. Instagram. Uh, I love you guys. I love the comments. We we love them. We're on HeadGum now, which I forgot to mention at the beginning. And, uh, 
you know, thanks, guys. I mean, again, this week I got stopped. I got stopped right outside your door, which I forgot to mention to you, Joe, by a fan of the podcast. It's cool. I'm I'm glad that we're catching on, and it it means a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you all for your support. I'll be in Melbourne for the festival, uh, the comedy festival in April for a few weeks. If you live in Australia, come out to that. Otherwise, here's all I'm plugging. Can you guys please go give and give my album? I have five albums up on uh, iTunes. Can you give them an Amazon? Can you give them some five-star reviews if you like them? Because the trolls have brought the ratings down so much over the years, and I'm trying to rectify that. If you could do that, I'd appreciate it. I love you. At Joe DeRosa Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with a new episode. Uh, I don't well, know what it'll be yet, but probably a classic. We've done three. Yeah, I think big, uh, I think the know. next one is going to be the Neon Demon because st- bizarrely, uh, Joe and I very much agreed on both Get Out and Kong. Logan, we differed, but but not to an extreme degree. Neon Demon, I fucking loved, and Joe fucking hated. So that will be our next choice. I also don't think there's another big movie on the horizon. So uh, if you haven't seen it, it's free on Amazon Prime. And, uh, you know, that's going to be our next one. I think that one's going to get a little more heated than this one. Thank you, folks. Uh, We're on HeadGum. Keep those tweets a-coming. We have a Facebook page. We'll see you in hell that I checked in on today. It's fucking awesome. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, bye. That was a HeadGum podcast.